This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am Craig Fowler and on this occasion I am joined by Mr Tony Anderson. Alright Craig, how are them? <laughs> I'm alright Tony, how's yourself? How was aye. yesterday? Aye, it was alright, I back in the pub, back in Dr Bell's. Um, nobody recognised my voice, thankfully. <laughs> uh, but uh, one of my friends became literally legless. Um like beyond like what you had with a 14 year old, like stand him up and just collapsing. Um, so the young guy working, cashing up the till had to quite the end of the evening as I had to carry my friend out and bundle him in a taxi. When I mean bundle, I mean, I left him lying down, pushed his legs in and then closed the taxi door and ran away. Um, that's, <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, yeah, it really reminded me of being like 14 again, drinking for the first time, someone being completely just, Gone. You don't see it every day. You don't see it every day, especially when you're in your mid thirties. But it still happens, everyone. It does still happen. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was home. I was home safe and sound at about probably ten o'clock. Everything was fine in the world. <laughs> um, um, well, but yourself, what did you be doing? You doing anything the weekend? No, it's busy, busy as fuck as usual. Uh, May's a very busy time for the terrace, so yeah, just try to get everything sure. sorted. Sure, as you've been getting the t-shirt suit, fanzines. Uh, well, no, yeah, unfortunately, but uh, now I'll put in the order today. I've uh, had all the everybody's emailed back. Well, most people have emailed back their sizes, so can get that set off the day. The fanzine will be finished tomorrow. Uh, get that sent off as well. 
Yeah, that's for the Patreon. So if you want, if you're thinking, hey, 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 down, I get a, a t-shirt and a, and a fanzine, well, you join Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast. And if you pick the most expensive tier, that is a £7 a month tier, then that's what you get at the end of the season. Uh, it also turns me into just ridiculous and busy every May, which is uh, less than ideal, but it is what it is. Oh, I remember when I, when I first got home from uh, Cambodia and I stayed at your house for a month, it was right in May and we were standing packing packing t-shirts up and sending them away, sending them to our fellow Scottish football geeks who want to stand around and, and catch phrases of the terrace. What can, what more can you want? Yeah, well, I've got 145 to send away this uh, year. Uh, so I don't know. What I've got, and I don't think I've got a helper this year either. So fuck those. Uh, fuck those, mate. You've got a wife. You've got a wife in there. I know. I know she's pretty busy fixing your bathroom and stuff. For the <laughs> doing up the house and working herself <laughs> yeah. fifty hours a week. So. You want to pack? You want to pack some t-shirts? Then oh, that sounds good. <laughs> she did help me one year before, but uh, no, I don't think she'll go for it this year. Too busy. Anyway, uh, we're, pretty, we're just kind of rambling a lot of pish. We should get to the sixth game. Well, you've got you've got to do that because there's three nil nils here, and as that I was saying off air. But it seemed to me that nobody else really gave a shit about this weekend uh, in the Scottish Premiership, so I didn't really either. So I'm going to rabble on about all sorts, <laughs> if you will indulge me. <laughs> I think I think three, team, three teams gave a shit about this weekend. Unfortunately, there was 12 of them playing. <laughs> yeah, like it's ridiculous. Half the teams didn't even bother scoring, it felt like. Just come on. Come on uh, now. Well, that is... No, more than half the teams. Eight teams didn't score this past weekend. <laughs> I mean, I I was sat and watched the... Obviously, I've got a season ticket, so I was able to watch the Hibs game. But I was at my mum's, and they were away, and I just put it on, and it's like, they're charging 15 quid for it, and Dre Wright and Michael Harburg are up front. You're like, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't a serious football match. I'm sorry. People, Scott Brown getting shields before the game. I'm like, what is this shit? What's going on? Nine goals scored against the six games, four of them by one team. <laughs> Right, Scottish football, baby. Oh, this the season's been. I mean, this season's been terrible for a lot of reasons. Uh, uh, but it hasn't helped by the fact that it's been a real kind of dearth of goals. So it's bad enough watching games on your fucking on your laptop uh, when it's a good game, but when it's it's like nobody scoring. So Johnson finished the season with nine goals scored at home all season, and they're like, and they're the, they're the darlings. They're the darlings as well of the whole. Of the whole season, <laughs> fucking hell! Right, let's uh, let's begin. In... Where are we going? Where are we starting, Filler? Well, we'll go. We'll start with the two Lancashire games, and let's start with a game at the uh, whatever the fuck it's called stadium uh, between Hamilton and Kilmarnock. This is oh, the game. Yeah, this is the game you watched. Um, I sure did. Kilmarnock were two it... 0 up at halftime, and it seemed and Hamilton played a lot of young players, so it seemed like it was just almost a preordained result from the start. Yeah, you think so? They even, they even, um, they even putting uh, Smith as a new goalkeeper who I think he was only 19, but quite pleased for him. He managed to save a penalty at the end. You know, that's it can't get much better than that on your on your debut, especially when you've got absolutely no chance of keeping a clean sheet. Uh, because you're the team you're playing for has got really Ben Sterling at right wing back. Um, so it just it was a <laughs> Um, yeah, it was a dolphin was playing in midfield. Even the game was even passing him by at the at the start. Kilmarnock started really, really fast, as you would ex- as you would expect in this. But I listened to it on Kilmarnock TV, and I think they were getting carried away. I think maybe just the importance of it about the actual performance levels for Kilmarnock because they really, really wanted it. They you could tell they were bang up for it, but 
and the phrases like, where's this performance been all season? Whoa, 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 whoa. It was fine. You were playing <laughs> Ham- you were playing a Hamilton team with like seven fucking changes. Um, uh, where like basically it's just what McMahon, Martin, Anderson, and a Dolphin that you would say are absolute guaranteed starters in that. Maybe Jamie Hamilton that are absolute guaranteed starters in that in that even, team, and that's the worst team in the league already. Even <laughs> Martin, even Martin, kind of rotates in and out. Um, and Kilmarnock just made one change from I think from the from the game last week, and they brought in Hounstrup for. Um, oh God, my brain is fried, man. Who normally poo Waters, Cam Waters, who had an absolute nightmare last week, and it's sensible. Just whenever I've seen Houndstrup, he's just like he is an upgrade on Waters. He's he's quite an athletic player, Houndstrup. So I, I quite enjoy watching him. Again, he is far far from perfect, but you don't need to be perfect to get to this Comanic team. And there was a rolling back of the years, maybe because we maybe saw a proper Allen Power performance and he was he was <laughs> he was superb and that's something they really lacked all season really power and dicker just haven't done it that's just frank that's really that's like and that's probably one of the main and i'm not saying it's their fault but it's the main reason really they've, they've had that that's the heart of your team ripped out because they just aren't able to do what they were doing before and as we were told before we, they've lost guys like o'donnell in there and brophy and so there's been a big changes there and then when you have the heart of your team ripped out because we were thinking, you think at the start of the season, I was talking to Craig Anderson about this on the preview show. It's like, you did think that Kilmarnock had a top six squad. You did think it was one of the better ones. But the fact that Power and Dicker, and I was saying that you can, it's amazing how people can drop off overnight. And it's like, they are just finished overnight. <laughs> That's yeah. what's happened with a lot of this team. And But Power was really back at it. it was, he, was, he was snapping at the tackles and he was making really good decisions. He had his head up all the time. He was pirouetting on the ball. You know, he was really running the show and, and he and he set up the second goal for, for Pinnock and Pinnock's exciting going into next season I think fairly. he's really starting to show his worth yeah uh, Craig Anderson said it before I don't know if he said it in the podcast or just in the chat but he said it's kind of like Jackson Irvin in his uh, season at, at Kelly where he's kind of came on leaps and bounds towards the end of the campaign having looked pretty shit for the most part and it was great because I mean it's, it's it really works well with Pinnock because he likes getting the box what you want if you've got Millen uh, right back and again like like Waters, like Houndstrup, there's the, the, he's he's far far from the perfect fullback, but he does have well, he's one of the best crosses the ball um in, in the league, frankly. Um, and if you've got Pinnock being switched on from that left hand side and, and making those runs, and you also have Lafferty, that they're two big guys with, with good movement, and Millen just put a ball perfectly, just right on the six yard line for him to just come in and and slide at home. I mean, it was quite a strange game because despite Kamarnik having the lion's share um, in the first half. Kilty and Lafferty just barely got a touch of the ball, which was quite bizarre. The balls, but it was always going wide, always going wide. Hamilton, they were they, they were in the game and they just they lacked so much quality. So they were getting into really good areas, really good areas. They were getting in behind sometimes. They were entering the box in the first half and then it would just absolutely break down. They had one good one. Bruce Anderson got to the got to the byline after a good turn and, and cut it back. But um they, they, they fucked it let's just be frank and that's what happened and this is what comes to something I've spoken about in this podcast before and I re- really want someone I'd love to hear a Hamilton fan maybe tweet us why does Nathan Thomas just never get to really play has he been injured for long periods because they it seems bizarre to me that they have a player who's I'm not saying he's great really I'm not getting carried away here but he's capable of dribbling he is direct he can shoot he 
he can cross. They have nowhere near enough to just ignore a player like that in, in, <laughs> in their team. Like, for, for, like the couple of times I've seen them, I've been like relatively impressed. And I thought the second, I was on a podcast in the season when they played St. Johnston and, and they lost. But Thomas played really, really well. And I was saying that, and I think I said it was to you that of oh, Hamilton, they, they're going to be relying on this guy massively for the season. And Bailey used them again. And without tempo, and I just find that, I, and like today, this game, they didn't have Callahan played either. I was like, why on earth would you not play a guy who's at least got a bit of talent, a bit of guile? Someone, he fancies it. He, he fancies himself when he's playing. Because like, Kyle Monroe, I looks decent young player. I and mean, you've got Ben Sterling on the other flank. It's Minimu. It's just, it's not going to be good enough, is it? Like, just, <laughs> how did you pronounce that? Minimu? Oh, what's how we doing it? Mimno. 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 Minimu is the guy who plays for fucking, Minamino plays for uh, Southampton. <laughs> But yeah, just like so. What's Regan the, Minimu. <laughs> yeah, he's been called that. But we'll probably never see the guy again. For, for, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, I just don't understand why Thomas had just been completely sort of ignored, even in this last game when they're playing all their reserves. He's, he doesn't, doesn't get a game. So I'd be interested to know for someone maybe who's got maybe a bit of behind the scenes um, at, at Hamilton why he's just been completely sort of ignored, frankly. Any of the any of the young boys look any good for Rakis? No, no. See, I, 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 really, I would worry. I mean, they've managed to keep a dolphin. Monroe doesn't look like the worst player. Uh, he looks like he's got something about him. He, he, he's relatively quick. He's he's he, he's one of those players. He sort of glides a bit when, when he's running with the ball. Um, and obviously, I think he got a goal a few weeks back, which was would be good for him. And he seems to be the one that is sort of making making his way genuinely into the into the first team. He wasn't just thrown in in, the, in this game, so that's someone I imagine we'll be seeing next season. But yeah, you've, you've if they, they keep a dolphin and maybe they get tempo and fit next season, and Brian Rice makes up with Nathan Thomas maybe, and um, they they get um, pull back. I mean, I've not looked at. I don't know how many of these players are actually out of contract. I should have checked because I saw. Neri's toe poker posted it earlier on Twitter, all the players going out of contract. So if they can keep most of them, then maybe they could be a handful, but I'd still worry about them defensively, even in the championship. And I still don't see them sort of dominating games. They'll, they'll no doubt lose Bruce Anderson. Um, and Ross Callahan. Ugh, if I was him, I'd be looking to move. You'd want to strike when the fire's hot, man, when you've had that good a, that good a season and you've been sort of, you were already on the way down. Callahan, you know, he, he was so like now he'd really want to take advantage of this sort of really special season for him as an individual. So I, I struggle to see him being fancy and playing in the championship. And there's a fair few teams in our league that would uh, he would he would improve playing the way he did this season. Right, let's uh, let's move on to the game that I was at on the Sunday. That was Motherwell one, Ross County two, Ross County ensuring their survival, finishing the season in tenth place, having come from behind from the second consecutive game and won their third game on the bounce to finish the campaign to make sure that they are safe entirely. Don't even have to worry about the relegation playoffs. John Hughes must be fancying his chances of getting the the county job full-time now that he's managed. Took over them while there were four points to drift at the bottom. Kept them up. Uh, That's the job done as far as he's concerned. Uh, As for the game itself, kind of weird, a weird start in that county didn't really look at it for the first 10 minutes. You were thinking, "What what the hell's going on here? Uh, almost right for kickoff. Uh, County took kickoff. The ball was knocked to, to Gardine on the left wing. 
and he just didn't really wasn't really aware of Stephen O'Donnell kind of charging down from from behind, gave away possession that eventually that launched the Motherwell attack, which eventually led to Ian Vigers taking down Chris Long on the edge of the box. Vigers booked again, seventeenth uh, <laughs> time this season. Wow, is that a record? It's fair. I don't know. It's got, it's got to be kicking about it. It's nearly one every two games. <laughs> for, a, for a guy who has been played every game. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he must be kicking around. He's been booked 70% of the times he's been on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that, that's... God, Mr. Craig Anderson, I know you'll be listening. That's what that's what we want to know next. So that happened, and then it was just a, a, a couple of minutes later, it was uh, Mark O'Hara, ball in the box. A wee bit fortunate, it kind of takes the deflection, hits Foley, goes in the back of the net, but it was kind of just the way the game was going. Motherwell were just the the better side in the opening 10 minutes, looked hungrier, looked sharper, and you're thinking, County are in trouble here. And then, County kind of woke up pretty much right away after after the opening 10 minutes. Blair Spittle, there was a period of Aye, but 10, 12 minutes where Spittle must have put in about four outstanding crosses into the box. And every one of them led to a chance. There was Jordan White smashing it off the bar when he probably should have done better. He should have at least hit the target. Um, and then White was really lucky. He had a, a header, which was... Or it wasn't right, was it? Was it Keith Watson instead? I think it might have been Watson. Keith Watson it was, yeah. Aye, another header that was heading in. And it hit uh, Michael Gardine on the line and stayed out. Um, but then the kid of... And it looked like, right, okay, this is... All of a sudden, the, the game completely shifted. Motherwell were the ones that looked like they couldn't really care. And County looked really up for it. But the game then went into a bit of a lull for a, pretty much the rest of the half. Garden had a decent chance in, in stoppage time where he really should have cut it back to Spittle, who was alone on the edge of the box. He, he chose to go himself and, and fired it over the bar. That was the end, of the, set, the end of the first half. And then you kind of thought, right, County will need to, need to kind of re-energise themselves and attack because after that kind of... that period domination or they hadn't really done much but Motherwell actually beginning of the second half Motherwell kind of looked like they'd kind of re-energised themselves but then as soon as County scored um, a great goal for, for Vigers a nice wee one too and then the finish I was at a perfect angle of it it was one of those ones where as soon as it left his foot and before it hits the back of the net, you're shouting, oh what a goal you can't, <laughs> you can't I mean that's that's huge for Vigers to do it then like just when someone picks out a goal of that standard when you really fucking need it, uh, that that says that says a lot about him because um, they they obviously they really need it at that point because we start getting to the sixtieth, seventieth minute, it starts to get desperate. And I've seen John Hughes a few times this season; he does get desperate. He starts to make fucking millions of subs, <laughs> and the game can get really fractured. I've seen him do that at least three times since he came in, making triple subs, and it gets so for that to happen before the panic sets in. Um, that's absolutely huge from from Mr. Booking himself. <laughs> Before uh, Yogi could mess it up. <laughs> kind of. To be fair to Yogi, I mean, I've, I've criticised him on here quite a lot because I've just never been totally convinced that he's really made that much of a difference. At County, he had those sort of good sporadic results, beating Hibs at Easter Road, beating Celtic, sort of games you wouldn't expect. And then he wasn't doing so well against the teams around him. But, for the first time, he seems to this this week in this game, he didn't make any changes. I don't think from the week before, um, maybe Tremarco. I'm not sure, but he had a pretty looked like a pretty settled team. Um, for and that's been pretty rare since since Hughes came in. And now uh, there, was, there was two changes that were both enforced. There was the two players who were injured on Wednesday, which was Yakovetti and Hilda. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So Tremarco started, he was actually taken off during the first half because he got injured himself and Charlie Lackin, who had come on for Helder midweek, he came back on again, which I think probably helped him. I can understand why he started Tremarco, um, because he's obviously, but Lackin's a midfielder, so he obviously wanted an actual left-back at left-back, but then because Lackin's better going forward, because Tremarco is, what, about 35 now, I think? Yeah, yeah he's old man. Um, that uh, he, he, it was better that he then had somebody who was a bit more kind of forward thinking uh, and uh, yeah so it must have been aye Watson sorry, so Watson again he came on for Yakaviti uh, midweek and he started he had a, he had a decent enough game um, and yeah Blair Spill interesting enough sort of like maybe a big reason they've went on this run he seems to have played well the last three games aye well you know we kind of talk about after the game that he's there's a there's a system that eventually could have worked out with these players that four three three with Jordan White as the kind of the kind of fulcrum to the attack, knock it up to White, and he's his job is not to really knock it on, but to kind of hold the ball up and mm-hmm. kind of keep it there and have guys playing off him like Spittle and, and Gardine. And Spittle's quite good for that because he's not somebody Gardine because somebody that could stretch the defence, but Spittle's not really that. But he is with no. He's always had this great potential, isn't he, Spittle? You've always had these yeah, flashes of him looking like a really good player, and it's just never really kind of, it's just never really properly happened for him. And not, not he, totally. He, it's he certainly got the technique to somebody to be that kind of, kind of, of a kind of two part number ten playing off of a, of a striker. Could he be similar to sort of David Motherspin, and maybe as his career goes on, maybe he gets better and better because there's similarities in the. And their style, I would say. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, it's a bit... It's, maybe it's never wee, going to be as good as, but you yeah, know what I mean. Maybe a wee bit uh, too late, because I'm just going to check. Well, he must be in his mid-20s now, Blair Spittle. Um, seems to have been around for ages. He is yeah. 25. 25, right. Because I remember he had the, the good periods at Dundee United when you were like, wow, this did they not thump Dundee? And he was like the main man in a derby match, and he was absolutely superb. Um, he scored a couple of goals, and I was really one was like with no backlift. And he pinged it in the bottom corner or something. And I was sort of sitting there like, wow, this guy's really exciting. And then it's not. But he scored goals recently. Spittle, he, he's had assists. He's, he's been a main, I think, in this bottom six period, which is the first time that County have had any type of form since, like, sort of repetitive form now that they've won three games in a row since Hughes came in. And um, it's, he's, he's changed it around so much, Hughes, trying to find the, right, the way it works. And, and it seems that Spittle... Strange enough, might be, might be his guy, and yeah. Jordan White again. I mean, Jordan White, what a what a signing! Um, and and he set up the the winner here. He was he was right on. Um, who was it? Lawless and, and won the ball and he, and he played it through and that was uh, and won them that won them the game. So that's been huge signing for Jordan White. Aye, yeah. I mean, compared to his, I mean, he's still not. I think even County fans themselves are like they would maybe like to see an upgrade for next season. But he's, he's certainly been effective in in the, the style that kind of Yogi's played around him, and certainly a lot better than he looked at Motherwell. Mm-hmm. Quite, and, uh, it's, and, he's, and it saved the day. I mean, without that signing, I don't County. I, you find it hard to picture County staying up. Oh yeah, definitely. It's been that been that that important. It was the same with every team. Pretty much, it was in the relegation battle. They all they all picked up a striker and. They all sort of nearly got them there. And obviously, I still I assume that Kyle Lafferty still could do it. And obviously, Bruce Anderson fell off, a, his form fell off a cliff a bit when Ocampo uh, disappeared. But uh, Jordan yeah. White's been just a lot better than we all thought he was going to be anyway. It was quite a... See, the thing is with this game, overall, it was quite... It was fairly entertaining. But when the second goal was scored in, in 65th minute, 
it didn't really kill the game, but it kind of killed your interest in the game. Because for it to really matter, Model needed to score twice. And you just thought, that's not really going to happen. They barely created a, anything since like the opening 10 minutes. And to be fair to them, they had a good goal the last 10. Uh, they, they really kind of upped the tempo. Uh, and considering how raging Graham Alexander was afterwards, uh, maybe that was why they were thinking, shit, <laughs> better get something out of this, otherwise he's going to go through us. But you still didn't really... Like, it wasn't like, had the, had the game been in December, it would have been quite entertaining to watch those last 10 minutes. Like, oh, can Motherwell pull out a draw? Can I think, can mm-hmm. County hold on for a valuable three points? But it just kind of felt like, eh. Like, if they get a goal, now it's going to be interesting. But it, it just, yeah. They don't know, and even then, they only really had one chance in that period of the game. So, you get, it, just kind of, um, it just kind of petered out. get big. I don't know why. I don't really know why. But Graham Alexander, he gives me big Sean Bean vibes. Um, really gets me, I don't know why. Whenever I hear oh, him yeah. talk. He gets you know, just because he, he gets he gets himself very worked up at times as well. Do they bust it? I just really do picture him turning into turning into Sean Bean at any moment to try and sell me Yorkshire tea, <laughs> or be killed in a film or TV oh. show. Oh yeah, he does the same character and absolutely everything. <laughs> There's that guy who does that. That on I don't know. He's a comedian. I've never seen him. It was obviously a one trick pony. He done it a bit. Uh, but there's a guy who literally just pretends to be Sean Bean as a full stand-up show, and that's all he does. Just he, he called Sean Bean. He's been on like you know, like um, uh, he, uh, so he wears like uniform like he's in Game of Thrones, basically. <laughs> he just on and uh, he does. I think he's been on like eight out of ten cats. You know, they have random yeah. folk coming and doing Dictionary Corner and that. Eyes. Um, and yeah, minute I saw Graham Alexander, I don't know. I was just getting huge Sean Bean vibes. I mean, hopefully he, hopefully he's either beheaded or he or he loses his mind. So Mullow obviously put out like a fairly strong team, unlike Hamilton. Uh, but you can still tell that like Devati Cole and Chris Long in particular look like they really didn't give a shit. <laughs> Chris Long can give off that type of feeling. Quite He's been given off all season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. Yeah, I, I certainly haven't been surprised to hear he gives that. What about Hasty? Obviously, he was thrown in. Further, he was he, maybe the most interesting one of the guys that were brought in. He looked like he gave a shit. I was surprised he was the one was taken off rather than Long uh, or even Cole uh, when they brought on. I think it was Lawless they brought on, and then uh, and then Tony Watt came on for Robbie Crawford not long after. So I was surprised it was Hasty because he at least looked like he cared. But then again, Hasty's been rubbish all season as well. Right. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's very similar. Like when I saw Hasty, and, and I think I saw you writing that. Oh, he started off all right, and I was like, I was watching the game, and it was, uh, I was watching the game. It was the same with Dre Wright for Hibs on Saturday. I was like, this is the best I've seen him in ages, and he's working his little socks off. Uh, this is very, very, very late in the day to try and convince people <laughs> that, that, that you're and you're doing it in this dead rubber. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, I mean, it's hasty on loan. Yeah, for Rangers. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get your game for Rangers, Jake Hastie. I've just, I've just got this weird, weird suspicion that you're not going to get your game. Um, I mean, if he's been that shite at Motherwell, he could end up fucking Dundee or Hamilton or something. Eh? Uh, uh, Rangers, Rangers fans would certainly like uh, Dundee Hamilton, uh, that, that connection. Anyway. <laughs> not this weekend of all weekends. <laughs> oh, not this weekend. <laughs> Jesus. Right, uh, speaking of the, the town trashers, uh, let's get to <laughs> Ibrox for Rangers 4, Aberdeen 0. Tony, how is this one? Oh, I'm, on the, I'm still on the search for Fallout Boy, Craig. That's the, the most important <laughs> thing for me. Uh, <laughs> um, right, this was quite uh, interesting, actually. I like the 
I saw obviously Stephen Glass, and it's one of those that can uh, it can give off the Cathro vibes when you're talking about a four 0 defeat, and I'm about to maybe state that there was elements of um, Aberdeen that I was relatively impressed with, but I was. It was quite similar to the to that Dundee United game earlier in the season at Ibrox, where they they played really well, but they still ended up on the on the end of a of a thumping. It was quite interesting to see. How Aberdeen, you could see exactly tactically, he, he gave Hedges, Hendry, uh, and Hayes like such a lot of freedom. They were they were popping up all over the pitch, and I found that quite interesting. Hendry was popping the ball off, he was pulling wide, then Hayes would pull central, and they were and Ferguson was getting pushed really high up. I've got the feeling the way Aberdeen play that Dylan McGeoch might be a glass man going well he is a glass man but uh, I mean he'd be a Stephen Glass man um, like, so they'll play him quite a lot next season the way he was dropping off and the beauty of someone like McGeoch is it means that Aberdeen if they still want to play this style that Glass has been talking about which I know might give people a lot of red flags and again when you hear a manager talking about philosophy especially a manager who's done shag all in his life uh, it does give off sort of like red, red flags when they do it but Dean McGeoch, he drops so deep and he just takes the ball off the centre-half's toes. And this could really suit uh, suit some of the Scottish Premiership centre-halves that if you want to play the style, because it means you can still have sort of no-nonsense centre-halves who, who do the sort of think about defending first. And you don't have to overly worry about how good they are on the ball because McGeoch's literally just going to come and take it off their toes uh, and, and sort of play even deeper. Like against Hibs, he was very similar. He was dropping extremely deep to get the ball and and then he, they were sort of trying to build up from there so he definitely wants to do that um, and then as I said Hedges and Hayes were switching wings and it was it was quite exciting they were quite fast to watch and they created a real lot of chances um, even at, at 2-0 Ferguson missed a, a decent chance where they moved right after the second goal he moved forward and, and he got a cut back and he, and he totally miscued it and he put it wide but in the second half I mean Hornby missed it was still 2-0 the first 50 minutes of the second half, Aberdeen had 65% possession uh, at, that, at that period. And they were all over Rangers. And it wasn't sterile possession. They were cutting through Rangers with quite a lot of regularity. And they, they, they created these three really... I mean, Hornby missed an absolute sitter. Uh, Hedges had a shot that, that he could have done better with or he could have maybe crossed it in. So I think there was things there to be excited about, but they've still got that major issue is that Fuck, man, they just gifted Rangers a game. Rangers didn't have to do anything. Every goal is a... a I mean, Joe Lewis, shot like Hadji does well, he picks the ball up and he, and he plays a nice ball out to Tavernier and then Tavernier puts and it takes a deflection. But it's not like a sharp deflection. It, it's a deflection ages before it gets near the goalie. He's got plenty of time to set himself about this new... the way this ball's coming towards him. And he just sort of lets it go through him, uh, Joe Lewis. And he's an R1, like so many... Aberdeen players just he just hasn't had a good season um, really since since Christmas. I mean, I heard you guys talking about Hoban on the on the top twelve um, for the defenders talking about how, like Hoban's form's just fallen off, and, and it's similar with 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 Joe Lewis. And um, I was one thing I'd be really excited about was to see Hedges back in full flight. Man, he was pretty, he, he, he's he's what creates sort of massively impressive now, which is always the thing that was missing, but. He is such a good player to watch when he's in full flight with those long legs and he keeps the ball tight to his body. He's a real cracking player and they should be certainly with a style building, keeping hedges and building a lot around him. But yeah, back to all the fuck-ups. Um, and then it went to... 
Um, and then the second goal was um, Roof. It was good movement. Kent got a bit lucky down the left-hand side where it went up. They took a brilliant touch to get to the byline to, to sort of open it up and then cut it back and it took a deflection and it went in. And then we get to the third goal and it's just, oh, I've been keeping the ball. This is what I mean when it wasn't McGee able to take it off Hoban's toes. Hoban has to make a pass that goes longer than three yards. He just gives the ball away instantly. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then Rangers drive through and, and, and Defoe scores a goal, which is really frustrating because that time is when Rangers uh, Aberdeen were so on top and they really looked like they were going to be scoring any minute. Uh, and then that was the game completely over. And then at the end, uh, Dean Campbell um, sort of gifts, gifts another goal and, and it finishes 4 0. And Roof, and Roof scores there. It's just the part of the Red Sea. Campbell just gives the ball away and there's just nobody in the middle. And Roof just runs in and, and tucks it away into the, into the bottom corner. So they've still got all these sort of square pegs and round holes, if you like. And but I could certainly see, and Ferguson was getting a lot more. Licence to go forward like he was earlier in the season. So I'd be excited about that if I was if I was an Aberdeen fan. And, and Glass was quite quick to make subs. He made two subs at halftime, bringing on Hornby and bringing on Dean Campbell. And that allowed Ferguson to go forward. And he was a, a major part of that 15, 20 minutes where Aberdeen looked like they were going to score. So Glass certainly wasn't shy to make a decision, um, which uh, I, I actually like in, in a manager, to be honest. I always get a bit um, from my own team. It's a thing like Jack Ross has loads and loads going for him, but I think he lacks the in-play uh, decisions sometimes. Uh, and I was interested to see Glass having no fear and going for it right away. So, as an Aberdeen fan, that would encourage me. The Hibs game would have encouraged me in a way that I could see they were trying to play differently, but they still played shite. They still weren't good. They still didn't have a good performance. Whereas this one, they were playing differently, much faster, fluid movement around with the forward players midfielders allowing to get in the box and support and they were and, and they created a lot of chances so this game as, as ridiculous as it sounds um, I would there was there were elements of it that I would be relatively excited about that he's definitely not going to play his bone away as Derek McKinnis and that might buy him a lot of time uh, with the fans because that's something they are really wanting they, they, they got a bit stifled and bored I think despite Derek McKinnis's successes if you like Do you know what doesn't encourage me Signing Scott Brown, Clark Robertson and J. Emmanuel Thomas. Well, yeah, that does all. So I think um, what you have to say about that is the Emmanuel Thomas one, after watching them there, I can see maybe what they're thinking there because Emmanuel Thomas has a great touch uh, and if he pops the ball off quickly, I can see exactly from watching the style here why Emmanuel Thomas maybe has popped into to glass his head, they're still going to want more. He's got a great touch, he can hit speeds of three miles an hour. Ah, yeah, I mean, it's, people are going to have to go beyond them. But, but the way they were playing yesterday, that's exactly what they were they were wanting to do. So I can see maybe what he's doing, but I would still want better. Like, so even though that I, I now that I've watched them, I understand maybe where that sign is coming from. It's still not enough. And um, I think, well, Ferguson, they just turned down a £2 million uh, bid from Watford today for Ferguson. So I imagine they'll come back and hopefully they'll hold out for more for maybe three, like talking about three and a half million plus add-ons, but I don't think it's ridiculous. Ferguson's form has been up and down this season, but he's 21. He's played a lot of football and, he, and he's certainly proven himself to be a, a pretty, well, a, a good Scottish player from midfield. They probably should have kicked on more this season, but I think he's been negatively impacted by the, the, the shit show that is Aberdeen and that, that sort of affects, affects players this season, but it's important. I, I was saying this to, to Tom off air 
uh, I think it's important that they do hold out and it's important that Hibs do hold out for people like Porteous and Nisbet. Right now, I think we're at a turning point. Obviously, with Brexit and English clubs are really going to have to use our market a lot to fill out their squads. So I think we're at a position now where as a country and as a league, we need to be pretty steadfast on making of try up that sort of minimum price that we have for, for players here. Uh, I think this is an important moment. If we roll over now, we'll never get it. I think this is our time to really sort of dig our heels in and be brave. And then we can change how how the market, basically how the English people can use our market because they're going to need to use it more. We need to take advantage of their need for us. Uh, in terms of Rangers, there's nothing new to tell you. I mean, we all know how good they are. I've waxed lyrical about them millions of times this season. So how about I don't bother this season and we just think about all the bad stuff the fans done this weekend for a laugh. <laughs> yes, congratulations on the unbeaten season. Aye, fabulous, fabulous. And if you didn't get your head kicked in, congratulations as well. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. <laughs> you didn't get your head kicked in by one of your own supporters. Congratulations. Uh, oh, well, they're just the videos just pumping through. So some of them are... It's one of those ones that you know that loads of them are wrong and they do make your skin colour a bit. But then you get a wee giggle, like the Fallout Boy one. That was good fun. <laughs> uh, that, was, that, was, that was cracking. Uh, I, I also the liked, most... I liked the boy on top of the police van. He's like, well, that's 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 ragging off. And then he gets down and a couple of boys come up and start pagging him. Uh, <laughs> it's like there's no sound. So what's he shouting on top of that van? <laughs> or, 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 or are these people just massive... Uh, Love the police so much. That's <laughs> you, a, you, a typical Ranger stance, is it? No, yeah, you get if you if you ripped up a fiver in front of a Rangers fan, they batter you for uh, for <laughs> ripping up something with an image of the realm on it. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's uh, let's see if we can bag out three nil nil games in ten minutes, oh, shall we? God, no problem. Uh, let's start with uh, the game at St Mirren, which I think was possibly the best of the 0-0. St Mirren 0, Dundee United 0. Uh, this couple with Mullow's defeat against Ross County means that St Mirren finished the season in 7th. It's our highest league placing since, I think, 1989. So well done to St Mirren for that. Um, I think that the way to describe this game was that both teams kind of knocked it around reasonably well. There was a, there was a couple of impressive passages of play. There maybe should have been one or two goals in it. It wasn't the worst of 0-0 games, but you know it's still kind of... Well, I was going to say, it still had that end-of-season feel. The fact that there's no fans there really doesn't help that. Yeah. Like every, every game really feels like an end-of-season at, at least they were trying to be neat and tidy and, and, and like and enjoy themselves a bit. Aye, both of yeah, them so- played football. Both, both of them made changes, but still could have kept a relative core of their strongest uh, teams as well. Uh, United, maybe a wee bit more than, than St Mirren. Like, for instance, Logan Chalmers and, and Lewis up here. Uh, flanked Shankland, where they had uh, Keir Smith in the back line. Who, Keir Smith should have given away a penalty uh, early on. Uh, one of those ones where people are going to say, uh, was it a penalty because he didn't mean it kind of thing. It's definitely a penalty because it's, it's like a cross flight he did and he goes to header and he completely misses the header to the point where he doesn't just head off his arm, he just misses the header and the ball just hits his arm. But his arm's up. So it's like you've had enough time to see the ball and, and to head it away. You, it doesn't matter what you were trying to do, what you've actually done is you've just... <laughs> Handle the ball, <laughs> hit the ball away with your bicep. Like that's that's a and your, your arm. Your arms are in a natural position. It's all the, 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 really the basics of the of the real. Sorry, I'm just on white white scout looking at the players, and I I never noticed before all the young guys since they don't have their photos beside. Right, they have the photos beside the the player names, and I forgot they just basically do it like we gens and football manager, and they are just like <laughs> made, made up faces. For, for the guy, because I was looking at Smith, I was like, "Wow, that guy is so pale and has very little features." <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Mikkelsen, did you, did you have a chance to read anything about um, the, the Dundee United fans? I know he got his goal last week. Is that someone that they're excited about? Uh, I don't know. I've not. Uh, I've not really heard. Um, I'm just throwing you under the bus there. I'm yeah, don't, don't, worry I, about. don't. Don't. Do <laughs> 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 I was just wondering because I thought I know he scored that it was a really nice goal and. I do love that feeling though when, when I saw him score that goal he's going absolutely tonto even though it's an empty stadium and that makes your heart filled with joy because you're like that's the thing you're jealous of eh? you're like I wish I'd played football and scored a man debut as a young player because that looks fucking class uh, but alas I didn't and I was helping 35 year old men uh, crawl at a pub last night so <laughs> we all make our choices Yeah I'm trying well to say this game um, for a suburban point of view um, well, well, for a United point of view, I think Chalmers and, and Apiero both looked, especially Chalmers, both looked uh, quite sharp alongside Jankland. And I wonder whether, well, to be fair, Chalmers have missed a lot of the season through injury, so it's not something they could have done. But I wonder whether those two flanking Shankland maybe fit more than a couple of central strikers flanking him. Uh, Shankland had a couple of decent chances. He missed a great chance for a header and afterwards, he kind of screamed in the sky in frustration and it kind of sums up his season where, especially in the second half of the year, he has had chances yep. to, to score goals and he's not Dundee, taken them. Um, Dundee United but, have improved. They're, they're, have cha- Dundee United have changed their style yeah. since about February. They, they, they are not as... They were just the most war of attrition team that there's ever been in the first half of the season. But the men they decided to look safer and safer. They have played differently and Shank, yeah, you're right. He has had opportunities. It's been a... In front of goal, it's been a poor season, but other parts of his game I have enjoyed. Yes, and uh, you do wonder as well how much the frustrations of the first half of the season took its toll on him and maybe sapped his confidence when he just wasn't really getting many chances at all, wasn't getting any service. He'll be raging. I mean, that's a shit thing. When you're sort of flavour of the month and it's your moment coming back into the Premier League and you've been scoring loads of goals and people are talking about you, money's probably involved in getting back into the Scotland team, well, getting into the Scotland team, like these are exciting times. And then suddenly you start playing for like the least creative team possibly. Sorry, the, probably the most deliberately uncreative team I've ever seen in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, like <laughs> it wasn't like, it's like when occasionally when teams are just so shit that they can't get out. Uh, that there was like the, the, the design that was, they were playing in a designed manner of that fashion for many weeks, picking up nil nils, the occasional one nil. To, to get their points. So that must have been hugely frustrating. And maybe the fact that we didn't hear too many noises, negative noises coming from him or his agent or something, maybe shows that maybe Lauren Shanklin has matured a bit over the over the years from what people thought of him before. Because I know he had people thinking he was lazy and, and maybe had a bit of an attitude problem. So for, I, I wouldn't, I mean, oh, you don't have to, you don't have to be a bad guy to have been fucking raging about that when you're the main centre forward and you're coming up and suddenly you're getting you're 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 living on scraps for yeah deliberately living on scraps. You can see how that would frustrate you. As for St. Mirren, Brophy looked fairly sharp again. He looks like he's maybe starting after. I thought he looked impressive when mm-hmm. he came off the bench in the, the Scottish Cup semi. So maybe he's starting he did, to find I... his feet uh, with a wee bit more fitness and just kind of getting used to the kind of St. Mirren's style of play and these you know new teammates and everything I could uh, see Col- him in a front two uh, with Erwin or a Bika and it working fine working good yeah to be honest I think the style of the two of Erwin and a Bika will suit Brophy I think a Bika's favoured to go I think Erwin's still under contract but I think a Bika's likely to go this summer um, but yeah I think Erwin's going to stick around That's, I don't really er- Erwin Brophy Erwin Brophy could be quite fun it's like it guys who, who've never like um like Brophy's had flashes. He's had a, a one or two good seasons, but he's now not 
fulfilled the potential that maybe we saw for that one, especially that one season under Clark where he was really exciting. And Erwin's really not got anywhere near fulfilling the potential we thought when he was getting punched er- off Erwin's due another move, surely. Uh, he's, since he got punched off Mojni, he's not had a good game. So Erwin um, will be at Dundee next season. How is that? I think so. You think about well, maybe. Um, <laughs> right. and, he just moves. He's moving every like fucking eighteen months. So I yeah, fuck it, Dundee. Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be quite keen to see an Erwin Brophy and like them both kindred spirits getting each other's careers back on track um, and banging in seven goals each. Right, that's enough about that game. Let's go Easter Road. Hibs nil, Celtic nil. What was this well, like, Tory? Well, like I said, when you sit down and, and you're getting nuzzled in to watch the game, and you the game starts, and you're looking at the team, you're like, I'm really not sure who that we're not playing any striker. So I assumed at the start for Hibs that they were going to be playing Jimmy Murphy up front, maybe. Yeah, flanked by Wright and maybe McGinnis was sort of my what I was thinking. But that's what we thought. That's what it certainly looked like. But no, 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 no. It was a four-four-two with Dre Wright and Halberg up front properly together. Um, <laughs> and Halberg was definitely the most sort of central focal point of the of the team. And he, I was thinking about that. That, could, that held my that was a bit that held my attention because this game was proper end of season. I mean, end of season that you'll ever see empty stadium. Both teams have nothing to play for. Well, the funniest thing about this is that Celtic play basically a full strength, a full strength team. team. Yeah, they play a full strength team, and then they've got empty stadium, uh, no um, end of the season, nothing to play for, and, and pl- players getting handed shields before the game starts. <laughs> like, like, this, is, this is a silly, this is silly, this is silly, silly season. Um, and yeah, so it was, it was no tackles were really going in. Gogic was the only one that was trying to tackle because I mean, if he can't tackle, then really is. Is he worth be- is he <laughs> worth being alive? <laughs> um, I I I can because I think Gogic has been superb towards the end of the season, and uh, if I'm being honest, I think something again from Jack Ross is he's really pushed Gogic uh, in recent months to take a lot more responsibility. I think he probably realised that if Gogic is going to stay and be a mainstay in the Hibs team, he really was going to have to add more to his game than just being the the spoiler. Hibs see too much of the ball. For one, especially when we play four four two semi regularly, that one of the midfielders doesn't take responsibility, and he's been trying these long range pinging passes out to to, to Martin Boyle in other games, and in this game it was uh, McGinnis or, or David Gray bound the forward, and he has improved dramatically through purely practice. I noticed it for the first time actually at Ibrox. Strange enough, when Hibs got beat two one, that Gogic was trying a lot more um, sort of progressive passing than than he, than he had been previously. So I think that's obviously deliberate, and and I think he is he is picking up. So fingers crossed because he's just he's he's a, he's a guy I like. I think he's he's a, I think he's a player that a lot of people are fond of in in Scottish football in general. And I think at Hibs he's 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 really kicking on and getting better and better and better. So fingers crossed for that. But yeah, man, there's just no one's really tackling. It was played at a snail's pace. Um, David Gray, what what, uh, ra- what rating would you give uh, Wright and Halberg out of ten? Right, right, and possibly his best game in a hip shot. Uh, I, I would say he definitely uh, maybe that Rangers game when he so, got so the goal. So that's at least a three point five. Then uh, I'll, I'll give I'll give right I'll give right and Halberg a six out of ten, which is pretty good going because then they're not strikers and they were played up there. They linked up a few times. And that was a bit that got me excited, Craig. I was like nearly off my seat when I'm seeing Halberg drop off fire, nod the ball down, and Dre Wright <laughs> coming onto it and knocking it wide. Are they? Oh, here we go. Um, so that was just so stuff like that was exciting me. Uh, David Gray was up against El Yunusi, and El Yunusi was um, 
So I had a decent first half. He looked like Celtic's most dangerous player. And great. So I had to get to grips him over time. And to be fair, great, he, he really did. And he said he, he was speaking after the game and he was absolutely knackered. <laughs> uh, but he said he really enjoyed it. And he done. He really picked up in the second half. And it was nice to see David Gray playing, but also like playing well and, and, and being a part of the team and not just sort of just being there remembering for, for former glories and talking to someone older player, Danny McGregor. He's put thoughts in everyone's minds because he came on and done well in Dundee United for the semi-final when they took Porches off. He played excellent against Aberdeen, was arguably man of the match in that game. And then this game, he was by far and away man of the match. It's just no nonsense. And it really is no nonsense sometimes. He absolutely just hammers that ball anywhere. Uh, but he just, he's so reliable. Uh, and, and he's not as slow as, as you would think. He can still move. <sighs> he's really in for a shout for that cup final. And that's, I mean, you couldn't tell because even if like we're arresting players, but the fact that he played, it doesn't matter because they would want to get another 90 minutes in his legs anyway if he was going to play next week. So you're still not able to tell. And obviously he played Porteous from the start and, and Hanlon got his got a rest. So who who knows? McGregor's in with a real shouting. I'm a huge Porteous fan, as you know, we both are, but for a cup final, reliability is a huge thing. And I can see maybe Jack Cross pump, pump, pumping for him. Uh, uh, so that would be really interesting to see. And unfortunately for Paul McGinn, he wasn't, he got rested and he wasn't able to get his playing every single minute of every single match for Hibs this season, which would have been quite the accolade considering when he came in, I think we all just thought, you are the most backup player I've ever seen sign of my life. But it's one of the absolute mainstays. Um, and I said, Celtic, there's nothing. What's it to say? They were, they were, they were bland. They're boring. They had a lot of the ball. They, could, they were trying to play through the middle of the park. Newell and Gogic, McGinnis coming in off the right, just holding it off. McGregor suited him down to the ground, sitting deep, them trying to play balls, uh, neat balls, and, and like through them on the shoulder, they just dealt with it all day and really wasn't really any chances in the in the game really worth, worth talking about. But as I said, the only exciting bit was Halberg and Wright up front, maybe. Right, let's uh, finish off by talking briefly about the worst game I've seen all season. Uh, St. Johnson nil, Livingston nil. Dear God, this was horrendous. Um, basically, St. Johnson, St. Johnson needed a draw, so this this should have been a decent game because there's two teams going for the the last position, the last European position. It's a big match. If Levinston win the leapfrog over St. Johnson, it means St. Johnson have to win the cup to get into Europe. St. Johnson themselves obviously would prefer to win the cup uh, and not, you know, get the. Well, you'd prefer to win the cup anyway, but obviously you win the get cup. Europa League, yeah. Yeah, you get the crack at the Europa League, if not Euro- Europa uh, Conference, Conference League. You're in the, in the group side. And you're not, no, you're not even in the eye. Well, you get that with a bit of you. If you finish fifth, you still have to go through the qualifiers to even yeah, get yeah. to that. So, because every I noticed with that with that conference that yeah, everyone has to qualify. There's no there's no guarantees. There's no teams that go automatically into the group. So and, quali- unless you lose the Europa League playoff. Yeah, yeah. So they go in and they, they sort of make up half the groups, and then there's two other Aye. pathways that ever. But there's no one that's like in the group stages at the start at but, all. But at the same time, St. Johnson obviously. They had a couple of players back for their kind of COVID uh, scare. There was still a couple of players missing. But obviously as well, there was a lot of players here who, would, who were going to start the cup final. And so you can certainly forgive St. Johnson for doing the bare minimum to get the result they needed. But there's no excuse for, for Livingston being as bad as they were in this game. Um, 
I mean, there's really actually no excuse for St. Johnson being quite as bad as they were, but I can understand, you can understand a bit more from their point of view. Was well, that like six points in 12 games for Livingston? Yeah, I mean, really bad form end of season, and you do worry about them coming into the next campaign whether that kind of that, that kind of rolls over, and uh, because you've seen it happen before, um, but so St. Johnson, it was very evident from like the opening 20 minutes that Livingston really didn't know how to play through St. Johnson's shape, and then that was the rest of the game. <laughs> That's a lot of teams have had that problem this season <laughs> playing the, through St. the St. number of shape. the number of times. That Livingston got the ball about 30 yards to go, usually in a kind of slightly wider position, not like right on the wing, but kind of pushed out to the the channels a little bit. And somebody would attempt a through ball for a forward and the ball would just go straight out of play for a goal kick. It must have happened at least 10 times during the game. And every, every time it just crushed a little bit of my soul just that little bit further. Yeah, but that's one of the most frustrating sights in a, in a, in a football match, isn't it? Those little clipped through balls that you know are the most hopeful thing in the world. <laughs> At that and the feathery cross from yeah. a corner, they are the two of the, the more frustrating things in, in football. Um, so um, Emmanuel Thomas, was he on the was he on the was he on the wing with Plavatnik yes. up front? Yeah, yes. how was that? Uh, no good. Okay. <laughs> Plavatnik was pretty useless. Uh, it's who played well in this game? John Guthrie had a good game. Fitzwater played well. Um, Diane in front of the back four, he had a decent game as well. For Princess Diane, I'm a yep. fan. Uh, for, for St. Johnson, Liam Craig was probably the standout. Um, I guess the back three played all right as well. Murray Davidson wasn't he bad. Yeah, that was Bobby, right. but what, what about Bobby Z? What about the Mr. Emergency himself? Oh, he, made one, Sam. He, made one, he had two saves to make. One of them was fired right at him. That, that was the best chance of the game when um, Rooney was caught. Fuck, that's what he was doing in his own box. Uh, t- taking far too many touches. And was robbed by Kabaya, but Kabaya fired the finish right at Zomal. But he made a decent save in the first half from Thomas and what was about the only kind of impressive attacking thing done all game, where Thomas got the ball into the right-hand side of the penalty box, faint to go inside, shifted it outside, got a yard on the defender and, and hit it hit it well across goal. Looked like it would have been going in the, the corner at the far post. But Zomal got down and, and made a, a decent save. But I just, I that, noticed, um, that was it. That was the highlight of the game. I know well, that, that tells you a lot because I know it's on BBC Sport that Bobby Z got um, man of the match. <laughs> yeah, he, fuck it, why not? Let <laughs> 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 him have his moment, man. He's been he's been out and about this year, hoarding himself around any club that would take him. Who cares? Uh, Congratulations to St Johnson on getting fifth. Um, and yeah, that's that's it. That's all I've got to say about this. Well, game. Incredible, that'd be just incredible thing for them to. Oh, one thing they, they they changed their shape a little bit. Was that a flat three? Oh yeah, two? so they did. I. Wotherspoon uh, instead of being the number ten behind May and Melamed, he was just part, just a second number eight with Davidson on the other side and, and Craig behind them. Uh, and again, I think that was just to set up a bit more defensively and just say, right, St. Johnson, can you play through us? Nope. Okay, we'll just stay in this all game, man. Well, I don't want to go into too much detail. So I don't want to go into too much detail in my opinion. Porteous and McGregor and maybe into this St Johnston shape because Friday's preview show, Fowler, and obviously for the, the the Scottish Cup final, the most important Scottish Cup final of all time, which is what I'm <laughs> what, what, what I'm billing it uh, due to the European rewards. Um, so yeah, I want everyone to watch that, listen to that. I don't want to give away all the. It's hard enough when I've done preview shows for both these teams very recently because uh, obviously for the semi-finals, you don't want to give too much. And there'll be more bet builders, um, excitingly enough. So 
if you paid the seven pound a month and, and paid the bet builders we had on the Patreon, you'd be quids in and you'd have a t-shirt and you'd have a fanzine with writing from all the tennis podcast boys apart from me, because I'm not intelligent enough. So <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not at all, not at all. I was a player actually. I just not I just I don't like going up against you. You don't you don't you don't smart, you all do good jobs and have um a professional bloody writers. So I get embarrassed yeah. when I don't know where to put a semicolon. You help troubled troubled youths. That's that's a lot more important than me yeah, writing yeah, about yeah, but, fucking Ross County. <laughs> yeah, I should, I, I, it's not I, it's troubled adults I do these days, Craig. But yes, oh, it, no. but uh, but uh, I and um, uh, but in, in theory, yeah. But um, you don't normally have to write full essays on there um, on everything that's going on. You just have to. <laughs> Wondering about my bedroom that I've been locked in for a year listening to. Which is a shame because I'm sure many of them have quite some stories to tell. I'm sure they, some of them do, but we'll leave that for um, GDPR reasons. <laughs> <laughs> right, the Patreon tonight will be coming later on. It'll be Sean and Telford doing an, an instant reaction to the playoff game, which is on tonight in, in Scottish football. And I am slowing down my speech to double check which that is a League One playoff. <laughs> uh, the first leg of the League One playoff between Edinburgh City and Dumbarton. So they'll, they'll be giving an instant reaction for that. So that'll be £2 on the £2 tier. So make sure to subscribe to that. I'll just remind you one more time. Terrace. Oh, sorry, patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast. Right, Tony, thank you very much. No problem, my friend. I will see people on, well, we've got shows coming out of arse this week. We do, we have fortnight. shows coming out of arse. Over the, yes. ne- aye, over the next fortnight, this week and next week, shows just firing out the arse non-stop. Yeah, and I'll be back on Wednesday um, for the Scotland squad announcement, which I'm sure everyone's very excited about, um, even though they're still at 26, so pretty much everyone's going. <laughs> and, there's, and, and, there's been, and there's been injuries. There's about two people you're not sure about. <laughs> right. Cheers. Good Cheers. night. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.